look at this last year tell me what I missed cause I feel that it's coming back up again must be something I ate some song some show some hate Devil wants to extend the game. Free throws. And when it ends, he wants to make the sequel. Cause if he has another chance, he feels like he can take my joy, my peace, my faith. See the devil. He learns from your mistakes Even if you don't That's how he keeps you in cycles 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 But I'm not going inside
the song. God, we thank you for what you're doing in this place. And I pray that this message will be a message of deliverance, a message of freedom, God, to set free those who are captive. For Father, I remember your words saying that, Jesus, you went in and said that the spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor and to set at liberty the captive and to proclaim the exceptional day of the Lord's favor. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus under the sound of my voice that somebody who's been going through the same old cycles, the same old ups and downs, God, will hear something through the word today that will loose them and set them free right now. We pray in the name of Jesus that every generational cycle is broke in the name of Jesus, Lord God. Every habit and every sin that so easily besets us will be broken today in the name of Jesus God we came into this place to give you praise God and we ask for freedom God freedom from sin freedom from bad habits God in the name of Jesus to help us live the life that you are calling us to live we believe that and we receive that in the mighty and the matchless name of Jesus we pray if you believe that clap your hands and shout amen in the building hallelujah God bless you. It is such an awesome thing to see all of you, my father's children today. It does my heart good to see you just a few weeks into the new year. God is blessing. And before I got, get started, and I'd be amiss if I didn't thank all of the people, many of you who probably came up the avenue have been able to see from quite a while back that there is a, a new digital sign back there on both sides. God works some wonderful things. Why don't you give God a hand clap of praise for that? It's often said that teamwork makes the dream work, and I want to thank some people. It takes everybody to make it happen from the initial giving for the first sign before they hit and broke the sign and all the other things. But this time, I want to do some special thanks to my lovely wife sitting over in that corner who works as our administrator and uh, works with somebody who's impossible to work with. I couldn't imagine who that could be. Uh, having her go get all sorts of quotes and say, that's not good enough. Come back. This isn't right. I don't want that. I want this. This is God's house. They're not going treat us like this be nicer to the insurance companies will it they're not being nice to me why should I be nice to them going back and forth to work those things and getting those worked and then working and partner with brother Dave uh, I, I owe very little of this success is mine we all uh, we all succeed together and I'm thankful to Robin and brother Dave who worked a lot very hard behind the scenes to get things done when uh, winter time goes away we're going to be working on some landscaping and some other things and refixing the fences that have been built I want to thank each of you who come here without you we would have no flock and we're grateful for each one of you who have come in the building to be a part of us I'm so grateful to see your smiling faces I see Shania and Zach have been out a little bit sick but they're back and they're looking healthy guys and we're glad to have them and all of our father's children Miss Linda and all those who've been sick if this is your first time I simply say to you welcome home welcome home to where God has called you to be for this day and hopefully for a very, very long time. I wanted to mention that uh, for those of you who are on the fast right now on in, in a season of fasting and prayer with us for 21 days, God bless you. I hope that those prayer agendas that you're getting in the private group on Facebook is helping you know what to pray for and those things. We are an international church in 136, I believe, different countries with over 2 million people. So we have churches all over the world. So we pray for those churches. We pray for those people. And every month, whether you know it or not, we give money to Nepal. 
um, to be able to do missionary work. And also we're giving money to Tanzania, to, uh, to Jalus and things for Africa. We are a church full of love. You don't have to be big to do big things for God. You just have to have a big heart. And this is a church with a big heart. And I'm so glad about it. Why don't you give God a praise for that? Last hand clap. I want to acknowledge those who come with us every week, some that are actually in the D, who are in the Detroit area, uh, but don't make it out, but you're online for one reason or another, or you weren't able. We want to welcome you and thank you, those who watch all over the country, our father's children. We're grateful for them. Guys, why don't you show them how much we love them and give them a hand clap. And now, finally, as I come to getting to our word today, I want to take a time to acknowledge this is uh, a day where we're on Monday. We will see a holiday, a federal holiday that's given to Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., uh, a giant uh, in the world, one of the most influential people in the world. And as I look out at our wonderful congregation that is arrayed with people from all ages and stages and colors, without Dr. King and the work that he did, this wouldn't be possible. I'm so grateful to this church that this church is, it's a picture of what the world should be. It's black people and white people and Filipino people and all sorts of people and people who are Indian and got Indian people, several Indian people in Iraq and Puerto Rico and Macedonia in the back. We have people from all generations, places and spaces, and this is what heaven looks like. And I'm so grateful for each and every one of you. You have a place at this church. This is a church where you can look around and you can find somebody to fellowship with and you feel comfortable. Why? Because we're all one family. Paul said that there are neither Jew nor Greek. Greek, bond nor free, but all are one in Christ Jesus. And I am so glad that I get to serve a church that is a picture of what heaven should look like. And I want you to know that I love you all to life. Give God a hand crap of praise as we get ready to stand for the word of God. Stand if you can. Uh, it's our custom to stand. If you can't just say where you are, we are in a sermon series. And what's the name of the sermon series? Cycles. I think Jonathan McReynolds probably has preached my sermon through song better than I could, but we're in the third week. We're, we're coming into a new year, and we don't want to come into the new year like we always do, making promises that we never keep. But this will be the year that something different happens in our life. This will be the year that we do something that we never done. This will be the year that we attain a victory that we have been fighting for and struggling all of our life, and God is going to give that to us today. A word from God in the book of Ephesians chapter 4 uh, starting at verse 17 and going through 24 if they uh, have it if you have it a say amen it's on the screens for those of you who do not have it you're welcome to look on your digital device or whatever you're comfortable with and we're going to read it together the word of the Lord ready let's read now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds they are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of their heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learn Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him and as the truth is in Jesus, to put off the old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, 
and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God and in true righteousness and holiness. Today, by the aid of the Holy Spirit and other scriptures and this scripture, I want to talk to you from this subject this morning, a new attitude. You may be seated in the presence of God. Lord, speak your servants, listens, and we'll be, listen, and we'll be careful to give you the praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Are you guys excited about the word? Brothers and sisters, we have been covering and compelling the hearts and minds uh, of people to be free from the cycles that hold us hostage in bondage. The things that keep us in having a good marriage as opposed to having a great marriage. The things that keep us from having a good life as opposed to a great life. The things that keep us from having okay health as opposed to wonderful health. God is not opposed to us having a prosperous life, not prosperity gospel, but prosperity living that God has given us. For Paul said, I would that thou prosper and be in good health, but even as thou what? soul prosperous, that our main goal should be soul prosperity. And if our soul prospers, our mind, our will, our emotions, our fellowship and relationship with God, it is my belief in the teaching of the Bible that good things will emanate from that. It doesn't create a perfect world, for we live in a fallen world, but even in a world that's full of storms, God is able to give you peace. Even in a world that's full of pain, God is able to give you comfort. Even in a world that is full of traps and things that are set to set you up for a fall. God is there to catch you when you fall. His grace is there to sustain you. And today I want to set you free this morning, not by my power, but by the power of the word of God. God wants to free us from those cycles that hold us bondage of fear and destructive patterns. And I believe and know that many have found freedom in these last couple of weeks. It has blessed my heart that some people have come to me and told me, Pastor, because of what's been preached the past couple of weeks, I did this or I did that. They did something that they never done so they could have something that they could ne that they've never had. And I applaud you for that. I'm so happy for you for that. And you have no idea what it does to a pastor's heart to see change in his congregation, change for people that he fellowships with for the better and not for the worse. And I believe and know that many have found freedom in these last couple of weeks. But it is pressed upon my heart to give the blueprint for those who are still struggling to break those cycles and shackles off of their life. We've often been told this thing many times, and you've heard it, that our aptitude or our attitude determines our altitude. What does that mean, Pastor? Put it plainly for me. It means simply that your mindset determines how far that you progress. And this morning, as we peruse through the passage of Paul's letter to Ephesus, Paul is letting us know how to progress spiritually in the Christian life. It's important in this season of fasting and prayer that we realize something very important. You know what fasting does? Fasting breaks shackles off of you. Fasting teaches you to bring your flesh under subjection. Why is that important? Because it is not until we attempt to deny our flesh that we really realize how much our flesh controls us. 
It is not until we push that plate away, until we notice the pains of hunger, when we stop satisfying our flesh with what it wants, that we realize that many times we think we are in control, but we are not actually in control. It is not until we push away from those things that we are used to having, be it cell phones or food or whatever the case may be. It is not until we tell our desires no that we realize how strong the pull is. <laughs> it's, not, it's never until you go on a fast that a cheeseburger smells so sweet. <laughs> It's never until you say, I'm not going to do with any sugar in my diet till you realize how much thing, how many things contain sugar. And it takes you to change your whole life process. And you have to put to death the flesh. And for those of us who think we are free, it tells us something about making our decisions. We are not as free as we think. See, many in the world evade the church, and the reason they evade the church is because they feel like if I don't have to acknowledge God, I don't have to acknowledge rules, and I am thereby free to do whatever I am grown and big and bad enough to do. I do what I do when I want to do it. How many of you had parents that told you what to do? And sometimes under your breath, not out loud, if you had a parent like I did and you were smart, but under your breath, you said, I can't wait till I get grown. <laughs> I can't wait till I get to be 18 years old and I can get out on my own and you can't tell me when to go to bed. You can't tell me who to have for friends. You can't tell me what to eat. You can't tell me when to go to church. I'm going to sleep in today. Many people, when they turn 18 and get on their own, they're probably in their bed right now. They're not even sleeping. They're just laying there because they get to do it on their own. They feel like they're controlling their life because we evade the church and God many times believing that it is restrictive. They believe they are more free without expectations or boundaries. But I've come to you to tell you this. You are never free. Hmm. For it is not until the smoker tries to stop smoking. It's not until the alcoholic tries to stop drinking. It's not until the addict tries to come clean. It is not until the promiscuous tries celibacy. It is not until the liar tries to stick to the truth. It is not until the glutton tries fasting that they realize that the pull of the flesh and the pains of desire pulling them are such that they can come to a startling conclusion. I was never really as free as I thought. How many times have people who wanted to quit smoking said, I can quit anytime I want to? <laughs> or people who wanted to not binge on alcohol said, I can stop as much as I want to, if I wanted to. Well, it's bad for you. Why don't you stop? Well, I don't want to. Could it be that you don't want to or your flesh doesn't want to? That you're not really in charge. That it is your flesh teaching you what to do. It is in this season of fasting that we break the flesh and say you are no longer in charge. I'm in charge. God is in charge of me. And therefore, I am going to steward you to the best of my ability. And I found out something, Brother Elazar. I started fasting from certain things like sweets and sugars and things like that. And thought I was going to lose my mind as we started to fast. And we're about done with it. But you know something? When I 
got into my flesh and I got weak. I got in my car, Brother Ernie. I'll be transparent. There's a store about a minute and a half up the way. And my flesh said I got stressed. I'd been on the road. And when I get stressed, the, the, the flesh said, you know what you need. I said, what's that? He said, you need a Coca-Cola. I said, you know what? I think you're right. And, uh, and, his, and, and the voice was saying, but what about the people that are following behind you? And the flesh said, they'll never know. They're not in your car. And as I strolled to my car, I stopped for a second and I said, huh, I really don't even want a Coke anymore. It's not that I wanted it. My flesh was trying to give itself what it wanted. We are walking around bound thinking that we are really free. It is very possible to walk in a cycle of bondage declaring freedom. It's very possible to walk in the doors of a church edifice week after week not realizing that I am bound. Many people walk in the door and are bound to anger. They are bound to depression. They are bound to pornography. They are bound to all sorts of ungodly things. They are bound to Instagram poses that they shouldn't be looking at and posts. They are bound to negative stinking thinking. They are bound to backbiting. They are bound to gossiping. They are bound to a negative attitude toward their children and their spouse. But they come in churches all over America and wave their hands and declare who the sun sets free. is free indeed. Not realizing that they're still a slave. Hmm. Romans 6 says this. It tells us that it's possible to be free from something but yet still submit to it. It's possible that you don't have to submit, but you choose to submit. Let's read Romans 6 together, 6 and 12 through 16. Let's read what it says. It says this. Let's read. Let no sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments of un for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law, but under grace. What then are we to sin because we are not under the law, but under grace by no means? Do you not know that if you present yourself to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? Whether you know it or not, you're a slave. Doesn't sound so good in the land of the free and the home of the brave. We are the place where we live, where the blood of patriots has died to make us free. We're free to live what we want to live and to buy the houses that we want to buy. But are we really? Don't pay your taxes. And you'll see just how free you really are. Don't obey the speed limit. And you'll see how free you really are. Because the truth of the matter is that as long as you live in life, you will be a slave. So who do you want to be a slave to? I'd rather be a slave to the one who meant good for me, a slave to Jesus Christ, than a slave to my flesh who only cares about satisfying itself, whether it harms me or not. My body might like sugar, but God wants me to be healthy and live a long life to preach the gospel. So I deny my flesh what it wants so I can give God what he's called me to do yeah. 
See, Paul is letting us know in his epistle that when we come to Christ, we have a new behavior. We have a new identity. We have been declared free from the bondages of sin, and we have the ability to lay aside weights and sins that trip us up in life. We have a different way to operate by the power of the Holy Spirit according to the new identity we have. For Paul says that if any man be in Christ, everybody say in Christ. Not outside of Christ, but if you are in Christ, he said he is a new what, Pastor Ernie? Creature. The old things are passed away and all things have become new. We just read a second ago that Paul told the church at Rome that sin has no dominion over you, which means that when you were in the world, you sinned because you didn't have a choice, because sin was in your very nature. Because of the grace of God, you have been broken from the power of sin, but you still have the ability to sin. You still have the ability. That's why he said lay aside every weight and sin that so easily besets us. I am free from death, hell, and the grave because Christ has set me free. My soul is saved but I can still allow sin to keep me in bondage. I can still allow sin and anger to trip up my life and sin is more than just drinking and cussing and smoking. Sin, uh, sin is a negative attitude. Sin is backbiting. Sin is gossiping. Sin is mistreating your spouse. Sin is mistreating your children. Sin is not living to the fullest potential that God has called you to be. How do you know that? Because the Bible says he that knoweth good that he ought to do and does not, to him it is sin. If you know that you should be serving God and you choose otherwise, that's sin. Hallelujah. However, we must be careful to realize that there is an enemy out there ready to confuse our identity. Because this is the thing that right belief creates right behavior. That's why Paul says in Romans 12 and 2, he says, Be ye not conformed or molded after the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Why? Because 1 Peter 2 and 9, Peter tells us that we are a royal priesthood, a holy nation. In other words, they keep sending us one overarching theme. That when you give your life to Christ, your identity has changed. You are no longer who people call you. As we talk about Dr. King across this weekend, I remember a quote from Dr. King saying, it's not what people call you that matters, it's what you answer to. You can call me what you want, but I know who I am, and I will act accordingly to who I am. But the enemy is a master of confusing people of who they are. Even the most pure and pristine human that ever lived, the most perfect being there was, that was Adam. Adam was made from the hand and the breath of God. And even Satan was able to deal with his identity and deal with Eve's identity. He said, did God not say that you should not eat of every tree in the garden. He said, this is why, because he know that if you eat of the tree of the fruit of knowledge of good and evil, you will be just like him. They were already just like him because Genesis said God made man in his image. They were already like him. But if he can confuse your identity, he can get you to act in a way that is not conducive to who he's called you to be. And we would think that he was big and bad enough and bold enough just to do it to Adam and Eve. But if you go a few chapters down to the book of Matthew, he tried Jesus himself and says, if you be the son of God. 
command these stones to be made bricks. If you be the son of God, it's written that he will send his angels to take charge of you, lest you dash your foot against the stone. So why won't you jump from the top of the pinnacle? Why? He was trying to mess with Jesus' identity and say, if you are who you really say you are, show me and prove it to me. I've come to tell you, if you know who you are, you don't have to prove it to nobody else but God. You know who you are. There's somebody in here who has a dark past and there are people that still want to remind you of who you used to be and what you used to do and what you've done. But when they do that, let them know, I'm sorry, you have a case of mistaken identity. Because if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature and the old things are passed away. They don't live here anymore. I remember when you used to shut the bar down. I'm sorry, you have me confused with somebody else. Same house, different residence. Somebody else lives here now. Yeah. Hallelujah, the Holy Spirit now lives on the inside of me. The enemy in our culture is now trying to confuse people of identity because if I can rob you of identity, you won't know who you are and you won't raise to the level that God has created you to be. And He want, God wants you to have a new mind, but it is hard to create a new mind with an old identity. <laughs> Jesus says you can't put new wine into old wineskins. For those of you who do not have no idea what that means is that they would take wine and they would put it in wineskins made from the bodies of animals and as it began to ferment it would begin to expand and it would expand to its capacity. The problem is if you took new wine and put it in there over time the new wine will become real wine and ferment and because the skin was already at its capacity it would explode. In other words you can't put new things in stuff. You can't have one foot in the church and one out. You can't have one foot in the body of Christ and out. God is calling us to be who he's called us to be. He's called us to a higher standard of living. He tells us that transformation in Romans 12 and 2 comes from the renewing of the mind. He also tells us that we are a new creation. And as he look, we look in verse 17 of the top of the scripture, he said, Now this I say and testify to the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. That word will be akin today to the unbelievers. I know you, you could bust it like your friends, but you can't bust it no more. The older people say, what, what does that mean? You don't need to know. But at the same, some people in here know what that means. You can't do what you used to do because you didn't know any better. But I'm calling you to a higher standard of living. For the older people, you can't Watusi like you used to Watusi. That, that, that may help some other people to be able to get it. You can't dance like you used to dance. You can't go the places you used to go and do the thing that you used to do. He says you must no longer walk. That word walk means to live. In other words, to carry out your life in a mode or pattern of operations like everybody else. If you look like everybody else, if you sound like everybody else, if social, your social media page looks the same, I can tell you this. You are in the wrong direction. For the Bible says that broad is the gate that leads to destruction, but narrow is the gate that leads to Christ. You are peculiar people, which means that should be something different. 
not perfect, but different. You have hangups, but you should be able to be notified as different. We went to a men's breakfast not too long ago, and guys, we had great fun, didn't we? We had, had, a, had a few guys out there, and we were, we were eating, and I, yes, I still kept my fast. I didn't eat the wrong thing, but we had good fellowship, and we didn't have to say anything. We didn't have to put a cross on my neck, but the brothers can testify to you that after we finished, before we even gave a tip, the young lady who was waiting on us came over and said, can I ask you a question? I said, what? She said, where's your church? I've never seen such a loving group of people. Why? Because she saw something different. Jesus is different. He wasn't like everybody else. That's why people flocked to him, because he knew who he was, and he wasn't trying to be a copycat version. He was the version for everybody else to copy it. And he was himself, and he was uniquely himself to the point that he would have to get into the boat and move out sometimes for space because people were thronging in him. They said, this fella here is different that even his disciples, when he got up and said to the winds, cease, be still, they said, what manner of man is this that even the waves obey him? Jesus was different. He wasn't the same. People out there in the world are lost and they need you to be the light because you are different. You need to be the light on your world in your job. Jesus said that you are the salt of the earth. Salt affects change. Put salt on anything and it's going to change. People in Michigan know that all too well who have to go to the car wash every day during the winter. Thank God it's middle of January. We've hardly had any snow. But if you don't get it all, you'll know salt's on your car eventually. If you get some food and it doesn't have any salt on it, you will know eventually why. Because salt affects change. Christ is saying that it's up to you to realize your identity and you are to be me in your job. You are to be me wherever you are. You are to be me, the hands and feet of Christ. Shania, you're not just a nurse. You are a minister of the Lord Jesus Christ to give compassion and mercy to those who are sick who may never come out of the hospital. But you may never be able to share everything with them. But to see the love of Jesus through you Brother, Brother Dave, you show people as you walk in and out of buildings, going into office buildings, they get to see the love of Christ through you. Brother Anthony, as you get to do rehab and other stuff and flip houses, you get to touch people that other people wouldn't touch. And you can interact with them in a way that other people can't interact. So they don't just see Anthony. They see Jesus. Yes. Amen. None of us are an island on ourselves. We are representatives of Christ. And he said, don't walk in the Gentiles while in the futility or the useless of their thinking for their hearts are darkened in their understanding and they are alienated from God. The world is alienated from God. They cannot understand God. Why? Because of the ignorance that's in them. I didn't say this. This is what's on the screen. And he said, because of the hardness of their hearts. Oh, Jesus. We should no longer walk as the Gentiles do. We have to learn to be in the world, but not of the world. It's one thing to be on a boat. Somebody asked me the other day, as much as you like to fish, I believe that was Victor. Why don't you have a boat? Because I said, I have not yet learned to completely swim. And I don't mind the boat being in the water, but I would panic if the water got in the boat. <laughs> But that's how we should be as Christians. You should be able to navigate throughout a sinful world without all of the things of the sinful world getting on the inside of you. 
We don't think like they think. We don't act like they act. We promote healthy marriage. We promote, well, I still believe in marriage. I still believe that marriage between men and women is good and that God created marriage and that we can function and flow uh, and show people and show the world that God's way still works. You don't have to beat anybody over the head. Just live the way God has called you to live and your life will be a living sacrifice. It looks to me that operating day by day while being Holy Spirit governed to another belief pattern and a system of behavior other than the culture I'm surrounded by is what it would look like to no longer walk as the Gentiles do. They are unfocused and cyclical in their thinking, going through the same old habits. How many of you know I got friends, I'm, I've been out of college 20 years, I guarantee you there's at least one of them that's still going out every Friday night or so and going through the same old cycles with the same old hangups, with the same old hangovers and doing all those things and never changed. I got friends that probably have never left high school, they're still stuck in their high school year. They're still stuck in their college year. They have not progressed. Christ is trying to pull you up higher. Out of those old cycles, out of those old habits, going through the whole old cycles without a particular purpose. They focus on many things, but they neglect the most weighty thing. They are inhibited by their human reasoning and logic by, from seeing the truth. They have gotten so smart. My grandmother used to have this saying, and my brother, they'd look at me because I was smart and I thought I knew everything when I was young. And Clarence would look at me and say, you know what, you're so smart, you're stupid. <laughs> In other words, you got a lot of book sense. But there's still yet stuff you have to learn. Because Paul says knowledge puffs up. And sometimes the more we know, the more arrogant we become. If you don't believe me, look at the book of Romans chapter 1. It says that we begin to know things. People got into science and all sorts of things, and they decided we don't need God anymore. We can do stuff for ourselves. And when they do that, they're not headed in the right direction, but the wrong direction. I'd rather have a GED and be on my way to heaven than a PhD on my way to hell. Education is not bad. I have education. That's good. Get all you can. But don't let that education affect your faith and your belief in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because Paul, who knew probably 14 different languages, was of the tribe of Benjamin, a very prestigious tribe, who was one of the most prestigious Jews there were, who was able to go inside of the Jewish world and the Roman world with precision and grace. As much as he knew, Paul, at the end of the day, when you asked him how to sum up his life, he said, I know nothing but Jesus. Christ and him crucified. Huh. Paul lets us know that our lifestyle must differentiate. It must differentiate us from those who we used to be. Although we're not slaves to the sin nature, we still have the capacity to sin. Therefore, we are submitted to the process of having a renewed frame of mind and a re new revelation of the identity of who we are in Christ. I don't care if every marriage in your family fail. Your marriage is not going to fail. Your marriage is going to be successful. I don't care if everybody in your, your, your line never went to college. You're going to complete everything God has called you to do in the name of Jesus. I don't care if everybody in your line has died of cancer or alcoholism or cigarettes. Christ has made you new and I declare by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, if you walk in him those cycles are now broken off of your life for if any man be in Christ. He is a new creature. 
as I finish today at 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18 through 20. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18 through 20. It says this. I don't know if they can pull it up because I didn't give that to them. They're good. Get them a hand back there. They're on it. <laughs> We're going to start at verse 19. We can start at 18. Let's read it together. What does it say? Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body. But the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. And this is where we lay our hat today. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Let's read that last script. scripture. Start at verse 19. That's powerful, isn't it? That breaks some of the pride and the spirit we have in ourselves to say, I live how I want to live. And I do what I want to do. Let's read that again. In verse 19, what does it say? Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. Stop right there. Go back there. You're not your own. You're merely a steward. I don't care how many houses you buy, you'll always be a renter because you live in this house of dust and clay. And from dust you came and dust you will return. You're renting this body. The breath that you have in your body is on loan. God loaned it to you. And one day he'll take it back. You are not your own. Keep going. Verse 20, you are not your own. Why? For you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. He paid for you. If you say, God, where did you pay for me? Well, you took on my name. If you're walking out of the store and somebody thinks you're stealing, they say, give me the receipt. Show me your proof of purchase. And if we are big and bad enough to say, God, I'm big and bad and bold enough to hold my, live my life the way I want to, he said, then you're a slave to Satan. But he said, I don't want to be a slave to Satan. Prove to me that you own me. And he says, I sure will. And he'll hold out his hands. And you can see nail prints in his hand. And he'll open up his side. And there's a spear mark in his side. And He'll point to his feet, and his feet are bruised and pierced through with the nails of nine inches from a cross. And he'll say, here's my receipt. You were bought with a price. Amen. I paid for you. They didn't have Visa or MasterCard when I paid for you. They didn't have Cash App or Bitcoin or Ethereum when I paid for you. I, we, 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 we went out on date night last night after my daughter's birthday yesterday, and I realized something. I almost got mortified because we were parking, and as we got ready to park, we only had 15 minutes, and I told my wife, we need more than 15 minutes. She was putting some money in, in, in the slots and the new parking things that Royal Oak has that I wish they didn't have. And as we were downtown, I said, I really don't like these machines. I shouldn't have said that because I stuck my card in the machine not 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 a cash app card the main one that I use for everything and when I stuck it in there it would not come out 
And we were sitting there in the freezing cold, stuck, and I called the cops, and the guy came out, and he was able to get it out. But I remember that feeling of helplessness, saying that if I don't have this car, I can go back and get other cars and things like that. But this is my main one. It's going to cramp my style and cramp my day. What if I didn't have what I needed to pay what I needed to pay? Or what if somebody got my car and sold it because I have Apple Pay on my phone? But guess what? Jesus didn't need a car. He used something that could not be duplicated. He used something that identity thieves couldn't steal. He used something that was precious and a unique identifier to only himself. He used his own blood to save us. He used his own blood to raise us. He used his own blood to set us free from the bounds of sin and death and hell in the grave. And now his blood has so much power that when God sees me, he doesn't see me. The blood of Jesus makes him look at me like I'm white as snow. How do you know, Pastor? Because David told me, though my sins be a scarlet, you will make them white as snow. Jesus has changed my identity. You don't have to be a slave to sin. You don't have to have a mediocre marriage. You don't have to struggle back and forth. Just start living like who you know God has called you to be. Live like who you are. Do you not know that despite your hang-ups and failures, if you receive Jesus, you are a child of the most high God? How many kids, when they were little, were bullied and said, you won't bully me for long. You must not know who my daddy is. I'm going to go get my daddy, and my daddy going to take care of you. Do you not know when this world bullies you that there is nobody greater than the supreme leader of the universe? God himself is your father. And it's time for us to act like we do when I tell my kids. If I said it right now, each one of my kids will say, I said, now remember when they get ready to go something, we know, we know, we have your last name and don't we go there out and embarrass you because you're going to kill us if you do and we bears and we need to realize that we bears and we're not going to mess up your name. We're going to come back and act like we have sense and not act crazy. Thank you. I'm glad you said that. Why? Because your last name says that you belong to me. When you name the name of Jesus, What he is literally saying is when he gives you his blood, he gives you his name. When a husband and wife marries in a traditional marriage, she gives up her last name and takes on his identity. Doesn't the Bible say that the church is the bride of Christ? So when you marry, your name goes away and you become the bride of Christ. He changes your name. He changes your past. He changes your mistakes and gives you a bright, glorious future. My daughter, who's the smartest she wants to be, I took him to Hobby Lobby last night and you, Haley, is the most independent person in the world. Dad, I don't want to be married. I don't want to be the president. I'm going to be a senator. But when she looked at all that stuff at Hobby Lobby, she said, Dad, I got a new plan. I said, what is that? She said, I'm going to marry a rich man. I'm going to spend all his money in Hobby Lobby and make my life be good. (laughs) Do you not know when you marry Christ, everything he has is yours? Every bit of peace, every bit of joy, every bit of love. 
every bit of deliverance. He helps you break free from those cycles. I'm going to let them play that song again now. And as we stand and as the altar is open, I pray that all has been accomplished and you realize who you are in Jesus. He loves you so much that he died for you. Is there anybody in here who can be honest and say, I'm ready to change some things. I'm not going through the same old things anymore. I'm going to live like who I know I am. I'm not angry. You can keep it up. I'm the righteousness of God.